Hi, I'm Antra and you're listening to my new podcast, Anthropologist, a podcast all things people, from emotions and aspirations to society and change. In this episode, I'll be looking at the causes of polarisation, from behavioural psychology to group dynamics to social media. I'll be answering the question, why are we so divided? You know, I never really realised just how strongly fixated I could be on my views until I found myself on a random Tuesday evening fervently defending the case of Meghan Markle at the dinner table. Now this was a woman I had absolutely no affiliation to. I didn't really know about her particulars or her role in the royal family before her very controversial and rather soap opera-like appearance on the Oprah Winfrey show and I remember it being all the rage for a few weeks. So I went online, I skim-read an article and watched a 30-second video on the whole issue, and my mind was set. I had a three-point argument ready, and I endlessly rattled on about a viewpoint that I had only reached 15 minutes prior. So bearing in mind that this was almost a year ago, I'd like to think I've had a little bit of character development. But it made me think about how people form their beliefs and opinions. From civil rights protests to dicey elections to anti-vaxxers, it seems like we're more divided than ever. There seems to be a lack of consensus on any given issue, and that's really worrying considering that every day things are looking more unprecedented and fragile. We seem to have lost faith in the key institutions that are designed to keep everything in place. And this lack of cohesion and unity, this just proves that we're still very much struggling to deal with polarisation. And in a more political sense, ironically, the United Kingdom and the United states of America are still divided on some of the most prevalent issues of our time. I don't think I need to go into the statistics, but what I do want to know is why. Even when we were faced with the pandemic, supposedly a common enemy, something that threatened the livelihoods of every single one of us, the idea of coming together and working together completely and utterly eluded us. Okay, So first and foremost, let's look at how our beliefs are actually formed. So factors like upbringing, race, ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, all these things will definitely impact your political stance. But recently, psychologists have actually been looking into how our personality traits can affect how we vote. And they in particular looked at conscientiousness, agreeableness, extroversion, openness to experience, and neuroticism. So Jeff Mondak, who was a political science professor at the University of Illinois, he found out that people who scored high in openness to experience but low in conscientiousness, so typically more relaxed and perhaps laid-back people, tended to be left-leaning and the opposite would be true for right-wing people. Now, of course, these are just generalisations, but I thought it was pretty interesting how 
something that is as core to our identity as our personality and our character can affect how we vote. So once these beliefs are formed, they're practically embedded into our brains and can only be weakened with contradiction and uncertainty. Now, the manipulation of our beliefs happens on a daily basis and it's particularly common in politics, but this is heightened during times of anxiety. So events like 9-11, which was a highly stressful time, affected the brain in such a way that it prompted people to fall back on things they knew well, stereotypes and simple ways of thinking. And this left the population incredibly susceptible to belief manipulation. If an event stimulates two sets of neurons, then the links between them get stronger. And if one of them activates, it's more likely that the second set will also set fire. And so in the real world, these two memories may have very little to do with each other. But in the brain, they get associated. And this meant that people developed subconscious biases that they weren't actually aware of. And this ultimately affects their feelings and their sentiments when they voted. So looking at the way people act when they support a certain party is also instrumental when discussing polarisation. A political party is an example of a secondary group, like sports team fan clubs or even religions. Secondary groups are essentially wider communities which hold people with similar characteristics or beliefs together. Undoubtedly, evolution has wired us to always strive to fit in with the pack. I mean, this is something that affects us every day and it affects almost every facet of our lives. And naturally, the same happens with politics, right? I mean, people are pressurised to mould their beliefs based on the party that they've chosen to support, or at least so that they're in line with those of the people around them. And when people hold the same beliefs with no healthy challenge or debate, their views start to increase in vigour and they become much more close-minded and they tend to develop us-versus-them complex, almost mistrusting those with opposing opinions. Naturally, humans aren't particularly adept at processing change, so naturally we can't accept contrasting opinions well either. The way we act and behave is so deeply hardwired into us. So in order to ease the issue of polarisation, we need to actively seek to broaden our perspectives by doing our own research or by discussing issues with people who have opposing belief systems to you. This is a difficult and uncomfortable process, but I do believe that it's necessary. Now, of course, the leaders we elect will also either make or break our country. Leaders such as Narendra Modi and Donald Trump are particularly polarising because they aggravate tensions. And they do this by demonising their opponents, ignoring democratic processes, and lastly, pushing for radical, controversial changes, like a total ban on abortion in Poland, and also 
the Citizenship Amendment Bill, which was perceived as an anti-Muslim law by many members of the Indian population. Polarisation is an issue that has occurred for decades, but it's definitely worsened when people feel that their leader is only representing a fraction of the population. And surprisingly, a growing economy actually perpetuates polarisation. For example, in India, the growing middle class has led to a rise in support for polarising Hindu nationalist ideologies. Okay, so the final thing I want to speak about today is social media. And I know we've heard this a billion times, but I do think that it's absolutely instrumental to factor in social media when we're talking about polarisation. So Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook to bring the social experience of college to the internet. And all I know is that social media was not designed to withstand something as heavy and complex as politics is. Now, I don't believe that political advertising is inherently a bad thing. I mean, it does have a lot of benefits. But it leaves room for misinformation and corruption much like the Cambridge Analytica scandal in 2016. But arguably, even more dangerous than this, is the fact that on social media, people find themselves in echo chambers, exposed to only one sort of ideology. And artificial intelligence algorithms perpetuate this issue, as they only present users with posts that they think the user will like. And even our trusted news sites are guilty of this because they only present us with one side of the story. And when the other side of the story is concealed from us, as I said before, our opinions tend to increase in extremity and they become much more rash and less thought out. Another thing is that anonymity is practically a guarantee on social media. I mean, in real life, people are a bit more wary of what they say because they're afraid of social isolation or just being different. But on social media, people are far more forthcoming with their opinions, no matter how extreme or controversial they are. And I think people often discard cultures and polarisation as issues because they believe that these are issues which only really exist on social media. And they don't really understand the true gravity of it because they believe that it's not worth the concern or the care. But ultimately, there are people behind these screens and social media is merely a reflection of society because anything that happens on social media can easily manifest itself in real life. Just look at, like in Myanmar, where a Facebook group which spread and ignited hatred for the Rohingya Muslim population led to widespread acts of mass genocide. And the worrying thing is that this was not a standalone event. I mean, social media is merely fueling the division that society is already so rife with. Personally, I think that we should leave Instagram and TikTok and Facebook for posts about holidays and food because ultimately it simply doesn't have the infrastructure to withstand political discussions because a 255 character word limit 
doesn't really allow for a healthy, nuanced conversation about politics. One thing I do want to clarify is that polarisation is far more than just having a variety or spectrum of opinions in a population, which is definitely necessary and natural for a healthy democracy. It's political animosity which takes a heavy toll on our society. It makes us so much more segregated in our communities. It stirs hatred and violence like the Capitol riots last year. And it causes us to lose trust in both key institutions and also each other. A recent study even found that Thanksgiving dinners were significantly shorter where Americans share meals across party lines. And almost 8 out of 10 people in Turkey would not want their daughter to marry someone who votes for the party they most dislike. But also, polarisation greatly hinders our progress. And right now, I think we need progress more than ever. Institutional reforms, judicial action and changes in political leadership style can all help to ease polarisation. But on a more individual scale, to cultivate a more balanced and healthier society, it's key for us to try and bridge the differences between each other.